Hello, and welcome to episode 208 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with George McHale, writer of Resilient, coming soon from Absolute Comics. This is Matt. George, thanks so much for joining us. Um, could you start us off with a quick bio about yourself? Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm uh, Canadian. Uh, I'm uh, <laughs> this is the worst file ever. Um, I'm like almost 40 years old now. I always wanted to work in comics. Like ever since I was a little kid, I had uh, a copy of How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way by John Buscema. And I just like wore that that book out, dude. Like uh, drawing all the time. I was obsessed with, you know, Batman and X-Men uh, growing up. And then, you know, in my high school years, I kind of fell away from from comics of no i still collected books but i i I fell away from trying to create and i kind of thought that this was a bit of a career that was unobtainable for a long time and i didn't really know how to go about it and so i just kind of had this like secret yearning to to be in uh be a creative person and to create comic books and then at like 35 i was like you know what i'm just gonna go for it and try and make this thing happen for myself instead of kind of like denying that it's not uh, not even possible mm-hmm. and so yeah for like the last three years now i've been uh making uh, my own comic books and and selling them at conventions and resilient is my first book uh to be released by a publisher very cool and how about a, an elevator pitch for for resilient sure so uh, kind of on face value it's uh it's about a judo teacher who loses her arms and gets like these like badass uh, cybernetic uh, robot arms and has to take down gangsters and rescue her boyfriend but on like a deeper level it's more about a couple that's struggling with infertility uh that they're having financial hardship and it's about this character's just resilience and and her kind of never give up uh i've been through uh some you know pretty bad injuries in my life i broke my back i've had heart surgery and i wanted to write about that so it's about you know, kind of staying uh, true to yourself and, and working through these obstacles and, and and showing up for your partner no matter what the cost. So you had mentioned earlier before in sort of the bio that, that you know, for the last couple of years, you've been, you know, had this desire to get more serious about your, your creativity. Is this, um, is this one of your first books or is this like the third or fourth book that you've ser- uh, that you that you put out in these last couple of years? Um, this is my third book that I've put out. Um, I've mostly been uh, working on a, a monster book. It's called uh, Cover of Darkness. It's kind of like Game of Thrones uh, meets, uh, you know, the classic universal monsters. It's about a family that gets separated from each other and uh and they encounter all these terrible villains and they have to try and find their way back to each other um i've been on the convention circuit selling that uh mostly okay and so the resilient is sort of like your your second like bigger idea that you've sort of tried to flush out and turn into a story uh well no my first um i actually uh, got really lucky with my first project so my uh my first project was called fire engine red Mm-hmm. My second was Cover Darkness, and third is the, is Resilience. Fire Engine Red is it was my first book, and it was like uh, it was about a, a female firefighter, and uh, she needs to uh, rescue her boyfriend and take down the armed mercenaries. It's kind of like Die Hard in a forest fire, 
And it's really like a, a, a tribute to like 80s and 90s action movies all the way with like cheesy one-liners and stuff. And that was my first script. And I, I you know, spent like six months writing that thing. And uh, I, I, I got really lucky. I was able to um, sell my script to a publisher, which like never happens. I didn't realize that at the time. But it was actually a, a digital startup company that was making like a, a comics exclusively for their app. It's mm -hmm. called Comic Stream, and uh, I met the the founder of the company, and he loved my script, which was very lucky for me. And uh, and he bought the script, and he hired Ali Garza, who's worked on like Deadpool and Teen Titans and all sorts of uh, fantastic properties. And, and Ali Garza's uh, uh, drawing that, and that was uh, two and a half years ago. And uh, the the startup company, the app is uh, is taking a, a while to 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 come along, and so the book's still being created. But uh, that was my first property, and it it still hasn't come out yet. Um, and then and then I had Cover of Darkness, which I've been on the convention circuit for, and then Resilient is is my third book. Um, I self funded the first issue, and I was. Uh, nervous about uh continuing on with it because i'm sure as you know it can be expensive to to as a writer to hire artists uh you know so i wanted kind of a commitment from a publisher and i was actually able to to get that with uh with absolute comics just based on the strength of the first issue nice so i'm not sure uh, well i I don't really know much about the, the other properties, but you had mentioned Fire Engine Red. Are you drawn to doing like female uh, protagonists? Is, is, is that something that you, you, you feel like when you, you, you design a story, that's something that sort of appeals to you? Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but you know, so far all my kind of main characters have been women. Uh, I don't know, my wife is uh, pretty badass, she's <laughs> super cool, uh, you know. Uh, we've been together we actually just celebrated our 20th anniversary we've been together since we were like you know kids and uh actually the main character in resilient is named after my wife um so and then um for my monster book uh we have uh my i, I write it with uh with my cousin mm -hmm. and uh and she's like a sister to me we grew up together and yeah so like a lot of the most important people in my life are women and so i, I don't know i just kind of like writing about badass chicks <laughs> cool well it works it works for greg rucker right you know he he's he he does a lot of strong female uh protagonists um so i want to go back again to, to fire engine red um so that was your sort of your first story and, and you had you got an artist attached to it what was it like the first time you had seen these sort of words that were in your head that you had sort of lived with turned into to an art page like what was that feeling like yeah it's pretty amazing it's I, I like you know um just seeing your your ideas uh brought to life i, I found it's usually better than like what's in my head you know mm -hmm. and i when i see what what the artist creates and i've been i've been very lucky to work with like super super talented artists too um and yeah it's 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 mind-blowing and after that though i think getting the book printed and holding that in your hands holy smokes i remember the first time i i had that um it was amazing i i swear i looked at i just looked at it for like probably an hour straight mm -hmm. just 
just staring at it like a moron. But you know, it was it was just really amazing to me to to create something and to be able to hold it. And then even going past that, I'd say like one of the greatest feelings as a writer, because you know when you're when you're selling your books at conventions and stuff, and they're comic books, most people are buying it either because they like you. Or because, uh, you know, and I try really hard. So, <laughs> you know, uh, they like my enthusiasm or they like the art, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not really about my writing at that point of purchase. But lots of times I'll have people come back and, you know, the next day at the con and they'll be like, oh, I love that book. It was so cool. I can't believe this happened. And, you know, and oh, can I buy issue two? And that's like, that's like the greatest feeling for me is like when, when people come back and want more. It's, it's amazing yeah it, it 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 certainly is but uh with the page and you had mentioned that sometimes it's uh or not that you get the page back and it's you know even more beautiful than than what you had in your mind's eye have you ever had those moments where it has closely matched up to what's in what's in your mind's eye yeah well as you get as i get further along in doing this um yeah, you start to expect, especially when you're working with the same artists over mm -hmm. and over again, um, you know, you, you tend to know what you're going to get from them. Um, yeah, I, like, uh, I have another series I work on. It's a, it's a manga book. And, you know, it kind of usually looks like what, what I think it's going to look like. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun, honestly, just making books and collaborating with artists and mm -hmm. I never realized like how much of a relationship it is between like a writer and, and an artist, like, you know, getting started, um, you know, a few years ago there, I thought you just, you send your script and you're just, and then you get your book back and then that's it. But there's like a whole process that, you know, maybe people don't know about where you're, you know, you get roughs in and you, and you can kind of start to see what the, what the artist is, is thinking and how they're interpreting your words. And then there's like a whole conversation there as far as like, okay, yeah, that's great. That's even better. Or, or actually, no, that's not what I meant. So can you change it to, to like this? And, and, and just the back and forth and, and the relationship that uh, a writer has with an artist is, is, is pretty special. And uh, it's one of my favorite parts of making comic books. So what's your, your process like? Is it, uh, do you, do you outline, um, and, and then when after you, if you do outline, um, how detailed are, are your scripts? Are you, you know, we always use the, the sort of the joke of like, you know, the, the classic tale of, of Alan Moore's Watchmen scripts that were like so long and Dave Gibbons would go in and sort of highlight the two lines that he actually needed to like concentrate on to, to, to do the panel. What, what, what are your scripts like? Um, so my process is I do out outline. I, uh, I do all sorts of different ways. Sometimes I'll buy like the big poster boards from like the dollar store and then I'll get like little post-it notes and I will kind of map out my story that way where I'll, I'll map out not only like the plot and what the character is physically doing and what they're going through, but also like, uh, like an emotional kind of arc too. I'll map that out, you know, uh, you know kind of scene by scene and then i'll even break it down further to just like scenes and i'll try and have like 10 scenes in an issue mm -hmm. and, and what and i usually write two page scenes i i don't know if like i guess everybody kind of does it their own way but that's how i like to do it and uh, and then from there 
when I actually like sit down to create the book, like that's all just kind of planning stuff really. But when I sit down, I like to, I go in my hot tub, <laughs> I have a couple of drinks. I kind of try and relax and get into like, you know, imagination mode and try and imagine the conversation between two people. And, and, and when I'm feeling like that, like relaxed and kind of in the zone, uh, I won't worry about any of that stuff that I've already plotted. Uh, like I kind of know it in the back of my head, but I just try and have the conversation flow naturally in my brain. And uh, sounds weird to say out loud, but, um, and, and I'll just write the dialogue. That's it. No, no panel descriptions, no nothing. Just write the dialogue for each scene. And, you know, on a good night, I might get like, you know, three, three scenes done. So I'd be like six pages of just dialogue. And then from there, I go back and I break it into panel descriptions. Okay, I've got 10 bits of dialogue, you know, that's maybe five panels or maybe, so maybe I'll do three and two or maybe I'll, you know, and I'll just try and break that scene, scene up into different panels and then do the panel descriptions and, you know, and obviously it's a visual medium. So I'm thinking of like, of, of the art and of the artist when I'm writing the dialogue, but that that's kind of how it, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Does, are your post-its, are they, are they color-coded? So you can sort of say like, this is a, this is a location thought. This is a, you know, a, an emotional sort of beat. Do you, do you color code the, the post-it notes? Uh, I, 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 I color coordinate for characters. Okay. So like, you know, one, one character will be like pink and one will be blue and one will be yellow, you know, and things like that. Um, but no, I'll have like kind of just like two rows, like plot and emotion for each character. Nice. And when you sort of made this decision to, to take uh, your creative uh, processes more seriously, did you uh, get sort of the, the books that everybody gets, like the Scott McCloud Understanding Comics, or did you look at, uh, did you look at issues of comics that you, you really liked and try to reverse engineer them? What, what was your process there? Or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I did buy um, um, some books on how to write comics. I got one by Alan Moore that was actually really super long-winded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, Words by Brian Michael Bendis. I really like Bendis' work a lot. He's one of my favorites. And then I remember in just some of the different uh, graphic novels that I had bought, there was like uh, bits of scripts. Um, and so it's like I kind of just knew how, you know, how to how to write a script, like what the format should be, um, just based off of reading those. Um, but really it was, it was the biggest obstacle was just kind of getting the nerve to do it. I think there's a lot of, you know, self doubt and self, you know, just being afraid um, to put yourself out there and, 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 you know, getting rejected and things like that. And so I just never did it. And I really was, that was the biggest obstacle to overcome. Like, actually physically doing it is like I really like doing it so it's mm -hmm. it's not like hard you know it's it's more it was more just kind of uh, getting myself uh, the nerve to, to put it out there like uh, before we started recording here you, you mentioned that you had read resilient and uh, and that you liked it and I was like I think only 10 people have read it at this point oh cool I didn't really submit it to very many publishers and uh, yeah so I get a little nervous about putting myself out there sometimes. So 
um, yeah, thanks for saying you liked it. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I mean, a couple of the things that you, you brought up there are, you know, I think key factors that we all as creatives have to deal with. There's the, there's the, I guess, you know, a lot of people refer to it as imposter syndrome. Um, and then there's also the sort of the internal editor um, that, you know, you, once you sit down to write, you know, you got to turn that off or sort of minimize it where it's like, this isn't any good, you know, because there's also sort of that, that Neil Gaiman quote that you have to have like, a, you know, a crappy first draft to, to get to the get to the good second draft but a lot of times it's hard to turn off that internal editor when you're doing that crappy first draft so you know a lot of the points you brought up there and then you know actually putting yourself out there in the world to have somebody read it you know it's it's, it's really great when somebody says they like it but it also sort of kind of hurts a lot when somebody comes back and says you know what you did was a bunch of junk so there's you know there's both sides of that so a lot of what you said there I think is you know things that creatives have to deal with i know and it's it's just it's part of the job um like this is kind of a secret i haven't told anybody this yet but um i have like a fourth series uh, it's called hybrid force and it's done there's like four issues fully completed and i haven't submitted it to anybody and i haven't um like i haven't uh, i think maybe like three people have read it and i've like been working on this thing for like two years just me and this artist and uh just yeah i i find the submission process to be very intimidating and um you know I, even though i've had great success uh you know um fire engine red like i said was picked up by a publisher right away resilient was picked up um my other book my monster book cover darkness that actually had two publishing offers on it last year and it just it just wasn't the right timing but yeah it's 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 a hard thing to put yourself out there over and over again and I just kind of had to buck up and kind of do it. Mm -hmm. I did realize, though, that that selling the book, you know, was part of being a creator. It wasn't just enough to to sit down and write it. And so I am actually like, it's so weird. I have this kind of uh, dichotomy of like, when I'm on the convention floor, I'm like having a lot of fun and I'm calling people over and I, I've been selling my monster book mostly. And uh, I'll be like, hey, do you like monsters? I got your monsters here. And I'm just like this like weirdo. And people will, like stop and be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I got a monster book. Do you want to hear about it? And then I give them my pitch. And and I I stand up the whole time when I work at convention, like three days, four days in a row. Um, I stand the whole time and I talk and I it, it is a lot of fun, but uh, you know, I guess the stakes are kind of low at that point, though, right? If someone likes me or likes the art, then they'll buy the book. And if they don't, then that's fine, you know, and they just kind of keep on going. But yeah, the whole submission process where it's like, if they say they don't like it, does that mean it's not good? You know, that kind of like inner feeling and, you know, of just anxiousness is kind of a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, I've had the experience where I have... I have sent stuff off and it's sort of that waiting period. And, and then you, you get the email back and there's sort of like that moment of I'm getting ready to open it and what's it going to say? And then you open it and it's like, uh, you know, we like this, but we were deciding to, to pass at this moment. So it's sort of like, you know, you, you have a couple of moments where you sort of 
or maybe longer than a couple of moments where, where you're down for a little bit, but then you sort of have to to figure out what you're what you're going to do next. And I guess you know, there's a saying that we're supposed to wear those rejection notices that as like a badge of honor, but it 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 gets difficult for when when people either you know don't get back to you or get back to you and say that you know it. A lot of times it's worded nicely that like you know we're going to take a pass or this just doesn't fit at this moment, but you you kind of know what that really kind of means. So um, it's, it's, it's difficult to do. So uh, I, I, again, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. It's like, you know, that scene in like the movie where like the college student like doesn't get into, you know, what the, where they want to go. And they're like all devastated. It's like that, like over and over and over again <laughs> for like a grown man, yeah. you know, and it's just like, Oh man, this is, it's a lot. So, but I don't know. I, you got to celebrate your successes. I know that's one thing that's, um, you're talking about like the great side of uh, comics, but and the other side of it is that like I keep on kind of changing the goalposts on like what success is, you know, like it was, oh, I'll, if I make one issue, that would be great. Or no, now I got to make more. And if I can sell one book or if I get one publishing deal or if I get, you know, it's just, it, it keeps on changing to be kind of more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, your what you define as success keeps changing and it's, it's a complicated, uh, complicated thing, kind of chasing after your dreams. Yeah, it's. I agree with you. The the goalpost moving, and it's sort of like, you know, what you might have thought was possible at in year one, in year five. You know, what you think is possible, hopefully, is is changing. And and as you are, you know, you have more experience, and you're improving as as a creator. So those those things do change. Now, you had mentioned that you have a lot of sort of crazy sort of stories about cons and, and going around and pitching your projects. Do you, do you want to talk about some of those now? Yeah, well, absolutely. Like, you know, when conventions were still a thing, um, I started writing in 2018. Uh, and then in like 2019, I had my first book. I had a three issue graphic novel that I got out on the road selling. I did 18 conventions all across North America. And I kind of, quickly realized that not all conventions are built the same (laughs) Um, which seems obvious but I just kind of thought oh like I'll do great at some of these places and I I did a road trip for a month where I I packed up my van and I had you know four shows in four weeks and uh, you know I thought it was gonna be great I'm gonna come back with like a ton of money but I didn't realize that the shows are sometimes really small and it's really hard to sell if you don't have anything um, if you don't have any foot traffic in front of you, especially like for an indie guy like me, who's, you know, people aren't going to the show specifically to see me, you know? Um, so in order to like save money and, you know, to come home with something, right. I didn't want to like leave my, my wife and my daughter for, um, you know, for a month and, you know, have spent all the money on like, you know, fast food and, and hotels. I started, uh, I started like sleeping in my van, uh, you know, uh, and sometimes it was cold. Like I didn't realize like Texas in like the uh, end of November was like, you know, I was, it was chilly. I was sleeping at like truck stops and showering at the truck stops and then going off to the show during the day. And it was kind of like a bit of a rock and roll sort of experience, you know, like, uh, like an indie band, except, you know, those guys have friends that they're on the road with. I was just by myself. <laughs> this <was a> weird guy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, I met so many cool people though. And, and, you know, when you're on your own like that, uh, you, it kind of forces you to, 
to you know become friendly with the with the people around you because you know just for human contact really <laughs> so i got to meet like a lot of uh, cool creators that tabled next to me and and yeah it was it was an amazing experience um but going forward i do want to make sure that i pick you know if i'm going to travel a long distance for a convention i want to make sure that it's going to you know at least be big enough that i can get a hotel mm -hmm. Um, so with your going out on the road in 2018, how did your, did your, did you learn things? Like, did you, had you attended a con as like a participant before? So you sort of knew like what, like what would appeal on the table and like how to set things up. And once you did that, like, has your, has your setup changed at all? Um, yeah, I, I, I have attended like lots of conventions over the years as a fan, you know, um, but like probably dozens. I'd go to like, uh, I'm on the West Coast here. So Emerald City uh, in Seattle is uh, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I just kind of knew like what I thought would look good. So I had like a, you know, an eight foot banner made. It's like eight feet tall, four feet wide. I got like a, a table dressing, what do you call it? The skirt thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think I have a pretty snazzy looking setup. Uh, I also um, am fortunate enough. Um, so in my in the city that I live in, um, it's there's only like a hundred thousand people. I I kind of searched out like the only like really well known uh, comic book artist in town. Um, his name is uh, John Delaney, and uh, he worked on like Adventures in the DC Universe and Simpsons and Futurama, and uh, yeah, we we've kind of just become like really good friends. Uh, I actually share a studio with him now. And, uh, and so he kind of gave me some pointers and some things to do and some things not to do. Uh, and we do a lot of shows together too. Uh, you know, so, and I'll kind of, if people don't like my book, then I'm always like, well, what about John here? <laughs> he's doing commissions and stuff. And, and he's worked on all these properties that you've heard of. And, and so we kind of work together a bit, you know, um, yeah, he's a great guy and we have a lot of fun together on the road. Nice. And when you're at these cons, are you, you have these properties that you've worked on, are you going around and sort of strategically, you know, if you see somebody that you think it's a good fit for, that's a, a publisher, are you sort of dropping off a copy and saying, hey, this is, this is my book, this is my contact, and do you want to take a look at it? Or are you doing that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for anybody who's, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, breaking out in comics, I'd recommend going to New York Comic Con because a lot of the other shows you go there and it's maybe not a decision maker there. It's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's their, uh, their convention staff or things like that. But if you go to New York Comic Con or San Diego, maybe, um, you know, you'll meet, you'll meet people who can actually give you a yes or no, like right there. So it, it's, yeah, pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, I do do that a bit, yeah. Nice, and I would also uh, guess that sort of another thing about those big cons like San Diego and New York is the 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 ability to network after the show, you know, dinner time, you know, hotel bar, you might be able to get in front of the right person um, I mean, you, you have to do it the right way, but, you know, just sort of like through introductions, you might be able to, to do it there. Do you have any experience with the uh, post-show sort of networking scene? I do. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I find like when you go 
uh, to like a bar after a show and people have been working all day, they don't want to hear about your book. Like, mm-hmm. I just try and like be cool and you know have some beers and just hang out with people for the most part. Um, you know, I mostly just hang out with writers and artists at those sort of places, not so much the publishers. I did go to uh, the Source Point Press after party in uh, New York City. Um, it was a weird situation because like I, um, they had like this like kind of like, they weren't, they weren't like getting naked, but it was like this like kind of stripping thing, but they weren't like getting full naked, but it was just like, then there was like girls and dudes and, I don't know. It was, it was, I don't know what you would call that, but it was, <laughs> it was something else. And, uh, and then I like, I sat down to next to the, the editor in chief there. And I just like felt so uncomfortable, like trying to bring up my book. And he's like, he was having like a great time and they're all kind of partying together. All these people know each other. And like, they seem like a great, great group of dudes. And, and they gave him like this like uh, Captain America type shield with the logo. And there was all like kind of like a celebratory thing. And then I just kind of felt like I was like this pariah, like, hey, have you looked at my book yet? You know, and I just, I didn't even bother. I was just like, ah, I'll talk to them tomorrow at the show. And I think mm-hmm. people are maybe more receptive. You know, as some things I have learned though, is if you, if you go to talk to a publisher, um, don't put your backpack on top of their comic books on their table. That's kind of, I did that one once. I felt like such a jerk. Um, you know, um, yeah. So, and just kind of wait, you know, I, I find that, that's one thing I find like just maddening when I'm like trying to sell my books. And, you know, sometimes there's some interesting people at conventions and so I'm like, I'll be in the middle, middle of a sale and like someone will like come over trying to talk to me about, you know where's the bathrooms and like or they're just like interrupting you like mid-sale and i'm like what you, i don't know where the bathrooms are they're that way you know like yeah. who are you guy and so you don't want to be that guy when you know when you go to a publisher's booth you want to kind of wait your turn and wait till there's a break and in the time there and and uh you know just be really nice and you know uh respectful I find it like amazing too. Like sometimes like people won't have like copies of their book to give away. And it's like, what are you doing there? You gotta, you gotta have like some extra copies. for Sure. sure. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. You brought up a lot of good points. Um, uh, and I, I think another thing is you mentioned the, the backpack where, you know, you know, you don't want to put that on the table. I found that like um, if I go up to, to a creator, and, you know, I've spent some time sort of either picking their brain or something like that. I make sure that I, bu- I buy a copy of something on that table. You know, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that came up to you and talked to you for 20 minutes and broke down all the comic book industry. And, it, and, and then I just walk away with nothing. So I'll make sure that I also purchase a copy of something that's that's on their table. Uh, yeah, I went. I, was, I think it was Rose City two years ago as a uh, Mark Brooks. Uh, he's an artist who worked on like X Men and mm-hmm. all sorts of great stuff. And I was feeling really deflated. I don't know why. I was in like this like uh, usually I'm killing it at cons. Like I, I I do pretty well, but at that one it was just it was kind of a weird vibe. I was, I was splitting a booth with like uh, two other guys, and it just I don't know. It was just in a weird spot. It's like I wasn't getting the traffic either. They were and I just. I wasn't happy with it. And I went over to Mark's table, who I don't even know. 
And uh, he's like, hey, how's it going? Just being nice to me. And I'm like, well, not great. And I like, start laying it all on him. And he's like, so nice to me. He's like, wow. He's like, you know, he compared like my, I'm like, I've only made, you know, I've only sold like, you know, 50 books or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, think about how many people are in here. And, you know, what percentage of that people? And he like compared it to like the Avengers. And basically he was saying like, oh, you, you sold more copies proportionately than like the Avengers sold movie tickets. And I was like, you're right, Mark. I'm awesome. And I felt so great. <laughs> and he just like totally lifted up my spirits. And and I totally like bought like a shit ton of his stuff. Just because you know, he was so nice to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I, before we sort of transition back to to resilient, um, you know, 2018, uh, I'm assuming 2019, you're on the con circuit, and then 2020 hits, and there's no cons. So has that sort of been your moment to 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 sort of step back and and change the business plan? You know, it's you know, Kickstarters, it's you know, submitting to to publishers to to get books out. What's your 2020? What was your 2020 plan? Yeah, so it's March 2020. I quit my day job to focus on conventions full time and, and making comics full time. I had like 18 cons booked for for 2020, and that just like starting right in March. It was mm -hmm. crazy. It was the worst timing ever. And uh, I ended up getting this gig. Um, there's this um, scientist. He calls himself a guru, genie, scientist that lives in my town here. And he actually hired me to write uh, comic books about himself. And <laughs> that gig just saved my butt like big time last year. Um, yeah, I wrote like uh, uh, seven comic books for him in 2020. Um, some of them are out on Webtoons. It's called the Megamorphosis Heroes. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, his name's Andy Gwalton and uh, he's the creator of those books. And, uh, and, and I wrote what he wanted me to write. And uh, I'm, I'm very thankful to have had that, uh, had that gig. That's actually an interesting thing. So Andy, um, the scientist guy, he came up to John Delaney, who I'm friends with there. And John, John and I were at a convention and Andy started pitching him on a cartoon that he wanted uh, John to be involved in. Cause John's also worked in like animation uh, and stuff. And and John uh, took his uh, contact information. It's like, okay, yeah, we, I can maybe, you know, do some character designs for you or something like that. And I just kind of took the initiative to, to reach out to this guy. And I actually wrote a spec script for him about his, uh, about his cartoon idea. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of how it started. It, it turned into a gig for me that uh, really got me through 2020. That's, that's awesome. And it's also sort of the, uh, another sort of uh, sort of lesson learned is the to sort of capitalize on the moment you you know you're, you're next to somebody they're having a conversation and you sort of took the initiative to do that spec script and 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 do that um, which which helped you out um, is your hope that um, as we all get vaccinated and uh, you know, cons start coming back. You are you planning on getting back on the road and, and getting behind the table? Yeah, absolutely. I have a big uh, big trip planned for August, so we'll see if it if it happens. Uh, East Coast trip, and I have a bunch of shows in the fall. And yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to 
having my book be published, you know, and, and then if, you know, people say, well, what might I know you by, I can actually say, you know, something because chances are with my monster book, if you haven't bought it from me personally, then you probably <laughs> haven't heard of it. Um, even though I, I, I think it's a, a really great book and I'm, I'm really hopeful for the possibilities with that one, it's all been independent, right? Whereas with, you know, being, being published, it'll, it's, a, it's a huge deal for me, kind of a lifelong dream to, to get that. And, and, and I'm hoping on the convention circuit, you know, maybe some people will have already read it and, you know, they'll pick it, they'll come by and I can sign some copies. You know, it'd, it'd be pretty amazing. Nice. Yeah, that's that's got to be. So have you had a book in previews yet? No, this will be my first. Yeah. So that that's going to be another sort of nice key moment for you is to to flip to the page and see see your cover and your name there. Right. You're going to I guess you're going to save save that that copy of previews. Right. Yeah. We'll probably cut out that page and put (laughs) it in a frame or something. I don't know. Something cheesy like that. Yeah. Um, So. I do want to talk more about the story of resilient, but how did you hook up with the guys from, from absolute comics? Uh, yeah, I just kind of tabled next to them like a bunch of times. Uh, Jamie Tyndall, um, he's the artist that worked on white widow. And then, uh, he has like a, a sales rep and, uh, and then now she writes some of the books. Uh, her name's Murphy and just hanging out with them. Like after the show, going to the bar, having you know drinks and hanging out and, and they would, you know, they could see, hey, like, this guy can sell books. He's slinging books all day. Not like they do, man. They, they're they crushing it. But, um, yeah, so just kind of met them. And then I I met Benny Powell, who's the editor-in-chief over there at New York Comic Con. I got an introduction through, uh, through Jamie and Murphy. And, uh, yeah, and it just turned out that we're, we work with, like, a lot of the same people. Like Ali Garza, who works on my Fire Engine Red book he does a lot of covers for them and the colors that I use, uh, uh, Sanju Navandu, I don't know how to say his last name to be honest, but, uh, Sanju works with them all the time too. So, um, we just kind of knew a lot of the same people and they read my book and they're like, this is great. Yeah, we'll put it out. And, okay. So that's, that's kind of how that came about. Nice. And so how did you find, find the artist for this book? Is this somebody you knew or is this somebody you found online? Yeah, I found uh, Vinzel Tabanis um, on like social media. He's on Instagram and uh, DeviantArt. I actually hired him to do uh, a variant cover for Fire Engine Red. I did a Kickstarter for that book. And and so he did the cover and he just crushed it on that cover. So I, I reached out to him again to see if, he, if he'd be interested in doing a, doing a, a series with me. And he, he uh, graciously accepted. Um, so that was that was super cool. I think he's like incredibly talented, and he does like a ton of covers for like Zenoscope, and he's always doing like Kickstarter covers. He he mostly works in video games. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, I I was just I felt really lucky that he would uh, he would take on my project. But he he said it was a good script, and he wanted to to be a part of it. Nice. And so Absolute has a. Uh and we discussed this a little bit in the, in the pre-interview, they have sort of a, a unique way to do this. There's, there's a Kickstarter that's going to go on. And then I guess roughly a month later, it'll be available in previews. Is, do, do I understand that correctly? No, uh, sorry. It is uh, previews and Kickstarter at the same time. At the same time. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they, they do 
the 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 launch of the book they find their promotion goes further that way right so they they're just kind of promoting once like hard so they're promoting uh to local comic book shops to to bring the books in for people to you know just have awareness of the books and, and so you can order and there's three there's three covers um uh one by vince altavanas one by ali garza um and then one by uh, andy bellinger and the one by bellinger is like is pretty cool. They turned it into like a lenticular. So okay. it changes. And so she has like her cybernetic arms in one and then and then no arms in the other. And uh, so there's three covers through the retail version. But then if you if you hop on to the Kickstarter, there's all sorts of different covers and it's partnered with a with another book of theirs too. It's uh, called I Make Boys Cry, which uh, along with White Widow, those are like probably their, their two top books. And um, and so we're launching at the same time. And so through the Kickstarter, you can get exclusive covers. There's medals and all sorts of different stuff. Nice. Yeah, I guess uh, the way you phrased it, like the, the do it at the same time, it's it's promotion all at one time because uh, I've only thus far had the experience of running a Kickstarter, which is extremely stressful. And I would have to assume that that sort of three month window that you have where you're in previews trying to get, you know, shops to order your books, that's another stressful period. So to combine them all together, you're not sort of extending sort of your stress. You're just, you're hitting it hard and heavy um, all in, in like one sort of confined moment. Um, you've run Kickstarters before. Um, how do you, how do you handle the, the stress of the Kickstarter. Are you a uh, refresh every thirty seconds? Or are you, uh, you know, go for a walk and then come back and check check it? How how do you handle that? Uh, uh, well, I find it pretty difficult to be honest with you. Um, I thought like Kickstarter was going to be great. You know, like when, the first one I did, I I thought, oh yeah, like it's going to you know make you know thousands and thousands of dollars and it's going to it's going to be fantastic and and my comic career is going to be just soaring after this. And the reality is, for me, on my first book, at least, all the people that bought the book were like people I already knew. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't enough to just kind of post it on like, you know, uh, social media saying, hey, can you pick up my series? I actually had to like individually like uh, message like each person and be like, hey, man, do you remember that time like in high school when I like, you know, made that uh, burnt uh, made that burnt uh, cd for you <laughs> like can you uh can you back my comic book like please and you know and i had set my goal like fairly high too and i i made it but it was it was it was a grind dude mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really hopeful that like with the being part of the absolute universe they've they've had like so much success with their kickstarters that it's not gonna you know uh just be me like hitting up like my grandma and you know, <laughs> people from high school that i haven't seen in like 20 years <laughs> yeah i i've had a, a similar uh I, I experience you know the 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 first one uh was was a grind it was a lot of uh you know uh emailing aunts and uncles and saying hey uh this thing is here i know this is not really your thing but if you could check it out uh please do um but uh 
but do, are you a, a refresh every 30 seconds or are you are you pretty calm about it i, my, I myself am a refresh every every 30 seconds to, to see you know back accounts and, and funding um so yeah absolutely i check i check the dollar amount and then if it goes up then i check like well who backed it and then because i've done two and so the first one was like you know almost entirely friends and family and then my second one um it was maybe like 80 percent like people i didn't know and like 20 percent friends and family and so that was really cool so every time i'd check it i'd be like oh is it is it someone i know or is it someone i don't know and a lot of those were people i had met on the convention circuit um you know because that's one thing i do like uh, a lot of times i'll offer um prints uh with my book but if you like follow me on Instagram, you can have a free print or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was really trying to build my social media presence when I was on the convention circuit. And, uh, and now I have a YouTube channel, which I try and uh, just build an audience through that. Um, you know, it's called Inside Comics. And uh, I talk with different creators uh, every week. I've had like some really cool people on that are like really successful. Um, that work for the big two and then I've had you know indie guys and it's like their first comic book um, I just find it really interesting chatting with about comics uh, you know and, and I'm sure like you do too yeah yeah I, I think that what you pointed out with with the second one was you you, you said you had more of like a maybe an 80 20 split um, and a lot of it was through contacts that you had made for for myself somebody who hasn't hit the 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 con scene as 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 much as you have a lot of it has been uh other kickstarter creators um just sort of like you know when they have a project i'll make sure that i post it and say hey you know this is my buddy I enjoy this first book. His second one is out. Check it out. And then when mine comes out, you know, it's sort of like they do the same for me. So building that network and, and having people, you know, that that you know can help you sort of amplify your word is uh, is is very helpful. Yeah, for sure. I, I always appreciate it when other creators will, will back uh, one of my projects. It's kind of it's you know it's a small community. We got to look out for each other. For sure. So I want to turn our attention back to, to resilient. Um, I've read the, the, the preview copy that you gave me. I want to know as far as like some of the, the ideas, what came first, where the, where the, was the, the, the judo instructor instructor first, or were the, the, the loss of the arms and the cybernetic arms, like what, what was the sort of the germ of the idea for you? Um, I guess I just always wanted to talk about, so I, let's first off i love action movies that's, mm -hmm. that's my jam man 80s 90s action movies i love you know kung fu movies and fighting and all that sort of stuff and so that's like the genre that i like to write in the most but that's just like you know kind of the top layer of it Real, really what i wanted to talk about was um just you know, kind of overcoming an injury and uh, and kind of finding yourself. And you haven't read it yet, actually, but like uh, the the second issue is like pretty full on uh, emotionally. And there was uh, there was a time in my life when um, I had heart surgery when I was uh, 15 years old, and I was in uh, Vancouver Children's Hospital, actually in isolation too, because it was uh, uh, pericarditis, is it? And they're not really sure how it gets from person to person, at least. 
20 years ago, they didn't. I haven't really kept up with medical research. And so I was by myself. And after having heart surgery, I wasn't like able to like stand up and like get to the bathroom. And, and I was alone. And, you know, just that kind of feeling of like just hopelessness. And I wanted to kind of explore that in my writing. And, you know, so, you know, our main character here, Jolanda, she's, you know, she doesn't have a heart problem. She's lost her arms. But um, I wanted to kind of, you know, explore that kind of the topic uh, through her journey of kind of, you know, becoming an amputee and, uh, and then, and the feeling of hopelessness and how defeated she is and you know and what she's going to do with herself and, and i wanted to kind of sit on that for a minute before she gets her robot arms and she starts you know taking down gangsters and you know so there there's some heart in it. and so i guess that's that's kind of the the start of it and then there's also another emotional aspect to the story too where the couple is struggling with infertility and they're they're not able to get pregnant and uh the couple is, you know, showing up for each other, even though it's uh, a, a difficult time for them. And, uh, you know, kind of the financial hardship of that situation. So, yeah, there's like a lot of like deeper subjects that I wanted to, to explore, um, but it does get fun. I don't want to be a downer here. Um, there's lots of action and fighting and kung fu. She's a judo teacher. She's got like super cool cybernetic arms. Um, and she becomes part of this, you know, bigger universe too, um, eventually in the series. It's pretty self-contained, the first like five issues. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of passion that's gone into the book. Nice. So that answered one of my questions so the the plan is is for for five issues of of this series um no at this point it's an ongoing ongoing so basically uh i created the the character and and the series and absolute comics really likes it and they and they wanted to to be integrated into their world and and so we're kind of you know connecting the character into 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 their shared universe and so it is an ongoing um yeah the first five issues uh, i'm currently i'm working on issue four okay. so i'm almost done kind of like the main story like um yeah uh, the artist finzel tamanis has just finished page 10 of issue four so yeah you don't have to worry about it, you know the book coming out on time or anything like that we got a nice head start nice um yeah so definitely you can you can back the project with confidence that, that you'll get it because because um, yeah, it's done. It's been done for two years. Cool. And do you look at the first four or maybe five issues as like a like an arc of of the story um, that like maybe once you get there, you could collect it easily, like in a trade for somebody to read and, and get a different experience. It's well, reading a trade and reading single issues is is a different experience. But like, is is so is that the plan? Yeah, that's the plan. Like I always, I all my series so far, I kind of. Uh, you know, like modern comic book story format. It's, you know, it's, you know, five, six issue graphic novel sort of thing. Um, yeah, uh, almost like formatted like a movie and, and the, the pacing is kind of structured that way too. Nice. So 
with issue one, you sort of tell this story in a nonlinear fashion. Was that something that you um, you wanted to to explore here with the the way you did this? Yeah. Well, I was like, I always like that kind of storytelling where there's you know there's multiple things happening at the same time and you, there's multiple threads to follow. Um, one thing was like the the first two pages you see. Um, uh, Jolanda with her cybernetic arms, you know, cutting down the bad guys. That came from the publisher. They're like, oh, we need to to have a scene with her, you know, kicking butt. Like, I know it happens eventually, but we got to give it to them in issue one. So, so, so we added that scene in, and that's like a flash forward. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we have you know flashbacks. And but I think it's I I think the story reads pretty clearly. Like even though there's there's a, a storyline that takes place in Mexico and there's a storyline that takes place in North America and they're at different times. It doesn't really matter because it all kind of makes sense for the narrative. Yeah. Um, I would agree with, with both of those and probably the, the direction uh, that the publisher gave you to, to have those, those fight scenes is sort of the, the feeling of like uh, when you would go into a Barnes and Noble and you would pick up a book and you would read like, maybe the first four or five, 10 pages to, to figure out if you like the book. But with this, it's sort of like somebody's going to pick it up and they're going to, you know, flip to page one and they're going to be like, oh, the, here's, here's, here's what I'm here for. And they get it right away. So that's sort of like the, the hook that the, they're probably looking for there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's fun. Like, you know, that's where the, that's one thing that I, I find kind of, hard about comic book format which even though comics is my passion and i do consume i consume more movies than comic books and you know in a movie you've got 15 minutes to kind of establish your characters and uh you know and and you have like a bit of leeway to to kind of get the story going whereas in comic books it's got to hit a lot faster than that because you know 15 minutes that's the first issue and if all you do is set up the whole time, it, you know, people want a bit more than that. But mm-hmm. the way I like to tell a story is I like to kind of establish the characters so that you actually care about them, right? Because it doesn't matter if, you know, um, if your hero is, is you know, getting the crap beat out of them if, if you don't care about who that hero is. Sure. Yeah. Um, so were there any, you had mentioned that you, you consume a lot of movies. Was there any movies that you sort of like to either watch or sort of sort of revisit in your head to sort of give you like the, the mood you were going to? I'm wondering like maybe like a Kill Bill or something like that would be something that you would like either watch or think about? A little bit. So I tried not to do that with this one, to be honest with you. So um, I my Fire Engine Red is like a tribute to... 80s and 90s action movies and it's really very much in that spirit um and then my monster book is you know clearly inspired by horror movies and things like that and this one i really just wanted to you know and it's maybe a bit of that imposter syndrome where it's like okay well am i just you know kind of copying what other people have done before and i really wanted to have like an original voice to it and so i just kind of draw on from my own experiences mm-hmm. with with the things i talked about earlier but then just kind of putting it in that, you know, action movie format. Um, not, that's not to say that my other books are, you know, uh, just purely, you know, uh, copying other formats and things like that. With with Fire Engine Red, I explored topics of like 
you know, religion and, and, uh, and helping people uh, and, and yeah, lots of different things. <laughs> nice. Okay. So I, I have, uh, I have a question that's sort of uh, writing an ongoing, you're here, you're in issue four, how much of like a, like a Bible or like a, like a, like a, a series outline do you have that, that you're sort of building to each day? Like, are, are you keeping that? Uh, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've, uh, I've really been kind of putting my heart and soul into this kind of, um, you know, the first five issues mm-hmm. to wrap up the, um, the, the story arc that I, that I've created. And then from there, um, yeah, I have some plans for her. She's going to uh, expand into the 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 wider absolute comics universe and encounter some of those characters. And we're going to see, you know, really what this character, what her values are, and and, and just how far she'll go to to kind of uh, protect, you know, what she thinks is important. So I know earlier you talked about having the the poster board with the with the color coded um, post-its that you could put in different spots. But how do you handle those moments of inspiration? Say, you know, you're on a walk, or you know, we. I've also kind of joked that like, how many times have we gotten an idea for something while we're in the shower? Like, how do you handle sort of like, you know, you might think of a cool moment that you want to tackle um down the line but you want to make sure that you capture it are you a notebook guy or are you like a get it out make a voice memo in my phone like how do you handle those um yeah so i write a lot of stuff on notes on my phone i'll even write like the actual issue on my phone sometimes like in the hot tub like i was saying (laughs) earlier um yeah whenever i'm inspired I, i make a note of it you know i might be out for you know beers with friends or something like that someone will say something funny and oh i gotta write that down i'm gonna use that and um, as far as like, you know, plans changing, well, that's usually a, a good thing, right? If I'm deciding to change it, it's because, you know, I think I've got something better and yeah, I'll just go back and rework the plan, but usually things don't change so drastically. It'll just be like, oh, I've got a, with my monster books and some, some of the issues are like 30 pages, mm-hmm. which is not affordable for an indie comic book creator hiring an artist but yeah it's one of those things where it's like oh it's a cool idea all right i'm gonna put that in there and you know so uh i sometimes i just add things on or or, or just kind of roll with the punches you know nice so what are some of the the key dates for, for resilient uh do we, do we have a date for for launching the kickstarter and uh I think you mentioned it earlier, but what uh, month of preview should we be looking at to, to, to see uh, issue one in? Yeah, so previews, April 28th. Um, the, the book will be in previews, so you can go to your comic book store then and tell them to, to, to bring it in. And it'll be in stores on June 30th. And then the Kickstarter runs May 1st to May 10th. So it's only a 10-day Kickstarter. So you, you got to get in while you can. And yeah, there's there's kind of exclusive things that you can only get through the Kickstarter. So it's, it's pretty cool. I got like tons of like super cool artists. Uh, the, one of the Kickstarter covers is uh, uh, by the Chamba, Jeffrey Cruz. Uh, he's worked on like uh, a lot of street fighter uh, uh, artwork and dark stalkers and things like that. And he's, it's incredible. I, I really dig his cover too. So that one is only through uh, Kickstarter. 
Nice. Um, and so another thing that I have when I when I have an indie curator that you know has a book that's in previews, but it's not in the Marvel or the DC section of previews, we sort of talk about the importance of telling your shop that that you want that book because they need to know to to order that book. Um, and it does one of two things. It, it ensures that they have a customer for that book, but it also, if they get, say, say four or five people come in and say, I want resilient, the, the shop owner might go, okay, I got a little bit of buzz here. Four of my customers want this. So I might bump my order up to, to, to eight so I can put another four to five on my, on my shelf. So do you want to speak about the importance of pre-ordering, especially when you don't have a book that, that has Spider-Man or Batman on the cover. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's essential. Um, that's one thing I didn't realize. And as a kid, even when I was like buying like X-Men books, I just go into my shop and be like, you know, I'd always just expect one to be there, but then if they weren't there, it's like, well, why don't you have a pull list? And I was like, what's a pull list? You know, I was young. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, adding, adding the title to your pull list means it's going to come into the, to the store. Right. Yeah. And, and that they're going to bring it in. And it, it really does a lot for the, for the series. Um, you know, Absolute Comics has had like some monster hits with like White Widow where they'll sell like, you know, 20,000 copies, which is big for, for an indie publisher. But they've also had some titles that have not sold well. And it really is kind of word of mouth and, and, uh, you know, people asking for it and, mm -hmm. and knowing to ask for it. So I really appreciate you having me on your show so that, you know, I can help get the word out on my first book. No worries. I, 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 I enjoyed uh, the interview. And like I said, I read the, the preview and, and I enjoyed it as well. Um, but as we close up, do you want to let people know where the best place to, I guess, follow you, maybe follow follow absolute comics online. Um, and we'll put links to that stuff in, in the show notes. Uh, yeah, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, comic uh, books, George, at comic book George, but there's underscores under between the comic and the book and the book and the George. That's okay. a long way to say that. <laughs> and then uh, also uh, Absolute Comics is on uh, Facebook. Just, just type them in. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I really I appreciated uh, talking to you in, in the preview issue. Um, and uh, I'll definitely be excited to see the, the Kickstarter uh, launching on May 1st, correct? Absolutely, yes. And it's and it's 10 days, so everybody has to, to act quickly. It's not uh, 30 or 60 days. You got to get in there and, 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 and pledge uh, almost right away, right? Yeah, well, they're doing that too because they want people who back the Kickstarter to get the book before it's in stores, right? Yeah, yeah. that that's, that's awesome because, you know, that's sort of the the first line of, of support so those people you know to, to get their books first is is pretty awesome yeah cool. yeah uh, it's it's a it's a good company there they've had some problems with the uh shipping before but they've got that all sorted out now they were they were shipped they were printing out of china now they're printing locally like in the same city that they're they're in and they're they actually have a a, a driver that that takes it uh, directly from the their a printer to uh to diamond every week so they've got shipments going out every week so the books are going to go out on time and uh yeah i'm really excited to be partnered up with them 
Awesome. Well, George, you have an, an open invite uh, to come back and talk uh, whenever you'd like. If you want to come back uh, after issue one or two or three is out and we can do a debrief and see how things are going, we, we would love to have you back on. Thank you so much, Matt. Oh, no problem. Uh, for anybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be safe, be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics and we'll be back very soon. Thank you.